the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life. Hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like, and to let us know His plan for our lives, here on earth and in the hereafter. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. We are ready to continue through the Gospel of Luke tonight, folks. Thanks for being along with us. We're going to begin in chapter 14 at verse 25, and we'll continue on through this, the longest of the four Gospels. I am really enjoying it. It is a great pleasure to see life through the eyes of Jesus the Messiah. Very troubled, difficult times in which he lived there in that little corner of the world. They were an occupied nation, troops everywhere on every corner. My wife and I, our first mission assignment was in Belgium. We were there for two or three years and then went to Spain Right after Franco, Francisco Franco had died, and they were in the midst of a social revolution as they moved out from underneath the dictatorship that he had over Spain for many years. We were up in Barcelona, which is the capital of Catalonia. They're a very separatist mentality. They want to be their own nation so badly. And I remember seeing at that time the troops on every corner with guns. The first time I'd ever seen that. That must be something like what the people of Israel are living under during the lifetime in the ministry of Jesus the Messiah. Roman troops everywhere and so many rules about what they could do and couldn't do. It was a difficult time, but it was just the right time, as the scriptures tell us, the right time for the Messiah to come into the world. We'll talk about it a little bit more as we prepare for our reading from Luke chapter 14 through 17 tonight. But let's go over now and take our wisdom and worship segment, the first 19 verses of Proverbs chapter 6, some very practical lessons about daily life, knowing when to cut your losses. That's going to be one of the principles we talk about tonight on The Bible Life. Proverbs 6, 1 through 19. My child, if you co-sign a loan for a friend or guarantee the debt of someone you hardly know, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, quick, get out of it if you possibly can. You have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased. 
Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a deer escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be wise. Even though they have no prince, governor, or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? I want you to learn this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Here is a description of worthless and wicked people. They are constant liars, signaling their true intentions to their friends by making signs with their eyes and feet and fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil. They stir up trouble constantly, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken beyond all hope of healing. There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things He detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord among brothers. End of reading Proverbs 6, 1 through 19. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Word of God will indeed speak to our hearts tonight for sure. I hope you're listening. Do we have eyes to see, ears to hear, right? Isn't that what Jesus was all the time talking about? People who can't hear. The truth is there to be heard, to be seen, but they aren't able to sense it. I hope that doesn't represent your heart tonight, that we have our hearts open, expectant that God is going to speak to our hearts and tell us something important tonight from his word. Show us something, teach us something important about himself, about ourselves, about life on this planet Earth, principles that should guide us in our families, in our work, in our careers, in every area of our life. We're picking up, as I said before, in Luke chapter 14. Very rich segment tonight. It's going to move quickly from story to story. First, Jesus is going to talk to us about the cost of being a disciple. We may underestimate greatly the level of commitment that God requires of us, that God desires. We think of Christianity, we think of being saved as just a matter of, well, I'm going to heaven when I die. When really it has to do is how much do you want God? How much do you desire God? Of course, that includes the idea of going to be with God's people forever. But if you don't really want to be with God's people in this life, and you really don't want to spend much time with God and much energy thinking about God and talking with God, you don't want to read his word, you're not interested in things of God in this life, what makes you think you're going to be interested in a place called heaven where God is everything? We might miss the mark a little bit in our estimation of what it means to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus He's going to start off giving us a challenge about the cost of being a disciple. Then we're going to hear a series of parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. There's a parable about a shrewd manager. Luke 14:25 through 17:37. Luke 14. Great crowds were following Jesus. 
He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there is enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Or what king would ever dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat the 20,000 soldiers who are marching against him? If he is not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. So no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for fertilizer. It is thrown away. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Luke 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. So Jesus used this illustration. If you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness... Wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrive, you would call together your friends and neighbors to rejoice with you because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 valuable silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors to rejoice with her because she has found her lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired men have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. 
When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf we were fattening and has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you and I are very close, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Luke 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. A rich man hired a manager to handle his affairs, but soon a rumor went around that the manager was thoroughly dishonest. So his employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about your stealing from me? Get your report in order because you are going to be dismissed. The manager thought to himself, Now what? I'm through here and I don't have the strength to go out and dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. I know just the thing and then I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me when I leave. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, How much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, Tear up that bill and write another one for 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. A thousand bushels of wheat was the reply. Here, the manager said, take your bill and replace it with one for only 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the citizens of this world are more shrewd than the godly are. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, naturally scoffed at all this. Then he said to them, You like to look good in public, but God knows your evil hearts. What this world honors is an abomination in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist began to preach, the laws of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and eager multitudes are forcing their way in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force in even the smallest point. It is stronger and more permanent than heaven and earth. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed and who lived each day in luxury. At his door lay a diseased beggar named Lazarus. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Lazarus in the far distance with Abraham. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity! Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in anguish in these flames. 
But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. Anyone who wanted to cross over to you from here is stopped at its edge, and no one there can cross over to us. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn them about this place of torment, so they won't have to come here when they die. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read their writings any time they want to. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will turn from their sins. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 17. One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but how terrible it will be for the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around the neck than to face the punishment in store for harming one of these little ones. I am warning you, if another believer sins, rebuke him. Then if he repents, forgive him. Even if he wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, forgive him. One day the apostles said to the Lord, We need more faith. Tell us how to get it. Even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, the Lord answered, you could say to this mulberry tree, May God uproot you and throw you into the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat. He must first prepare his master's meal and serve him his supper before eating his own. And the servant is not even thanked because he is merely doing what he is supposed to do. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, We are not worthy of praise. We are servants who have simply done our duty. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, their leprosy disappeared. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God, I'm healed! He fell face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or It's over there, for the kingdom of God is among you. Later he talked again about this with his disciples. The time is coming when you will long to share in the days of the Son of Man, but you won't be able to, he said. Reports will reach you that the Son of Man has returned and that he is in this place or that. Don't believe such reports or go out to look for him. For when the Son of Man returns, you will know it beyond all doubt. It will be as evident as the lightning that flashes across the sky. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, the world will be like the people were in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat, and the flood began to destroy them all. And the world will be as it was in the day of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the hour when the Son of Man returns. 
On that day, a person outside the house must not go into the house to pack. A person in the field must not return to town. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Whoever clings to this life will lose it, and whoever loses this life will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken away, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Lord, where will this happen? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. End of reading, Luke 14, 25 through 17, 37. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. These rapidly presented, fast-moving stories of faith, principles about what it means to know God and walk with God, and principles about how to live this life on planet Earth. There's some very interesting directions and instructions here. The parable of the prodigal son, for example, obviously the younger son seems to be the one that's lost. He's the one we generally think of as the prodigal. But then you catch this older brother's attitude about his younger brother coming back home, and you think, wow, something not right there. Which one is the prodigal, the younger or the older? Also, this parable of the shrewd manager. This guy is going to get fired, so he gets all of his boss's debtors. He cuts their debt down while he still has the authority to do so as his boss's bookkeeper or manager. Then he wins their favor, and the next thing you know, he's got a new employment with the other people. And then Jesus tells us what it means. He says, here's the lesson. This whole reading started out with Jesus teaching about the cost of being a disciple. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. We're not supposed to hate our father and mother. He's talking about in comparison to our love for our devotion to God the Father, to him and to Jesus as our Savior. That's one of the reasons for studying the life of Christ. Jesus modeled this lifestyle. He lived every day of his life. He got up in the morning and walked throughout the day, trusting in the Father, obeying the Father, seeking the Father, loving the Father, praying to the Father. And yet at the same time, he was clearly interested in people. He went around healing and doing good and encouraging people and brightening their days. I suspect that Jesus was a very cheerful person to be around that he lifted up people's eyes and gave them courage. He was full of forgiveness and hope. If you're all about yourself, you're not going to really be able to be very interested in any real way in other people, unless you're just using people for yourself. I heard a fellow named Zig Ziglar. He was a motivational speaker from some time back, and he used to say, and he was a believer as well, a follower of Jesus, and he said that the idea of that is that if you help others reach their goals, reach their potential, realize their dreams, they'll turn around, maybe inadvertently even, maybe not even purposefully, but they will help you reach yours. The formula for joy is to put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. The priority of living our lives for God and others. A very practical reading tonight from the scriptures. I suppose every night is practical, actually, when we think of it. But this one seems in particular to be very down-to-earth, 
Jesus talking about real relationships and how we deal with finances and what we do with our lives, career choices and that sort of thing. Because if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, somehow we have the idea in our minds of someone being kind of a hyper, super Christian, religious-minded all the time, Jesus, 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 God, God, God. And it's not that, the idea of being so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. It's about bringing God into our earthly life, bringing God into our relationships, into our careers, into our classrooms, the courses that we take in college, making God the Lord of our lives in everyday life. Live with Soapy Dollar, Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.